0: Oh, what's up, Gator Country? Man, Andrew, Spivey, back with Ethan and Bailey. We're going with the trio today. Uh, have everybody back and uh, got a pretty good podcast coming up. Uh, Diamond Sports are are getting towards the end. Uh, softball is uh, going to host the uh, first round of the uh, or the the regional of the NCAA tournament. Uh, well, will also host the super regionals if uh, the Gators uh, are able to move on. And then uh, baseball is in their last weekend series as they uh, take on Arkansas and. You know, there's still a slim chance of winning the East. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but Bailey, let's first talk about it. Softball gets all the way to the uh, SEC tournament championship to fall to host Alabama. Uh, you know, I don't want to say Florida played terrible in the championship game. They didn't play very good. Uh, some very uncharacteristic defensive mistakes. Uh, in the game, but overall, the Gators played well in the tournament. Yeah, I
1: mean, I think they played well, but. Like I've, I've said over and over, you just never know what you're going to get from this team. You know, in postseason, you can't rely on meeting those late game clutch hits. And that's what they had to use in both of the, you know, in the quarterfinal and the semifinal. And then that never came against Alabama because when you're facing Montana Fouts, it's just not going to happen nine times out of ten. So, you know, it, it wasn't a bad tournament. I'm not a huge fan of riding Elizabeth Hightower as much as Florida is doing right now. Um, You know, she, she's been great this year, but she started all three games in the SEC tournament, which I thought was a little odd. Um, But yeah, you know, now we're moving into regionals. Florida's the number four overall seed, uh, hosting Baylor, South Alabama, your, your school there and uh, USF. So you know, it's it's a very winnable regional. I think Florida should should get out of it pretty easily. You
0: know, I think what you said is a, is a good point. I mean, you, you go with Montana Fouts, who set the SEC tournament record for strikeouts. And, you know, she is every team seems like they have that one stopper you know Hightower's that for Florida um you know you go around the country Oklahoma and other the other big name schools are always you know got it I mean Kelly Barnhill was that for a while for Florida um Ocasio kind of was that you know a little bit too um and that's what Fouts is and I mean it, you know I kind of compare it to baseball where you're that's your ace and you have to figure out a way to grind at-bats the whole game and, you know, grind at-bats to, to get the pitch count up, but to grind at-bats and, and to get across a run or two. You know, when, when Bama was up three to nothing, had Ford have been able to, you know, scrape across a run or two there, that would have been a whole different ball game. But they didn't, and they went on to lose four to nothing. Um, and you kind of look at it. You look at the, uh, the the earlier games in the tournament where it was some late action in the game. Uh, in the Missouri game, they allow, what, five runs in the ninth and have to score two in the, um, in the bottom of the seventh to to come back and win the game just to advance to the championship. You know, when you get into, maybe not the regional, but you get into super regionals with, you know, either probably Georgia or Duke uh, as that next opponent, and then you get into Oklahoma City in the College World Series, you're not going to be able to do that. You know, if you allow five runs in the seventh inning, you're probably done. You're, you're right. probably done. Um, if you don't score a run, you know, early on, you're probably done, and I you know, I hope that it's a team that understands what's about to be in front of them. I mean, a lot of these girls, have, have the experience there? Uh, we, uh, Hightower doesn't necessarily have the experience in the circle as, you know, uh, some other people have. Uh, I just wonder what it's going to be like. I hope that they get it together soon. They have the talent to win. I mean, they, they, they do. It's just putting it all together.
1: Yeah, I, honestly, I don't think anyone's getting past Oklahoma this year. That's just my opinion there. It's going to be really hard to beat them if you get to OKC. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, I think I I honestly think it's great that Florida has the ability to make these late-game comebacks. Sometimes you're going to need that. You know, sometimes you're going to need that clutch hit in the bottom of the seventh. But you just can't rely on needing that every single time you're on the field because, like it did in the Alabama game, it's just going to keep coming back to fight you. Um, And then, yeah, uh, you mentioned that they will get the winner of the Athens regional. Not, uh, it's actually not at Duke because they were not one of the 20 teams to get the, um, whatever the pre thing for, uh, hosting regionals. Um, but, yeah, that, that's an interesting regional for
0: sure. There, uh, that's why I hate it. But we'll get into that later. Um, and we're going to get into this. Uh, so we're going to get into softball more. But uh, we're going to move real quick to baseball. Uh, baseball takes two out of three against uh, Georgia this past weekend. Uh, Sunday's game was a uh, atrocious game overall for the Gators. Uh, Ethan, what what did you learn this weekend? And was Sunday just a wash in your opinion?
2: I thought the first two games of the series I thought went very well for them. The first game was kind of a back and forth pitchers duel. They ended up getting a big hit from Josh Rivera in the bottom of the eighth. And then Jack Lefkowitz was able to finish it out to get the win. And Saturday just basically turned into a home run derby. Got four home runs. Ended up scoring, I think, nine runs as a team. Sunday... It's just, it just—it felt like you could tell Georgia won the game a lot more because they're on the bubble for getting into the NCAA tournament, and Florida had already won the series. And it just—it just felt like Georgia was the more inspired team, which you really hate to see because with the way the SEC East race is shaping up, that not getting that sweep is going to probably cost them a cha- any chance they had at winning the East or the SEC overall.
0: Yeah, I mean that's, I and mean, it could end up being the reason they're not a top eight national seat. Um, I mean in this uh, in the poll this week um, they're number eight overall but you know you, you're going up up against Arkansas are, are they still two this week or three
2: Arkansas have been number one over number one in the country for several weeks okay they're still
0: number one I knew they lost what two I mean they they lost one they took two out of three against Tennessee um, yeah. I and for some reason um, I, I thought they dropped to two or three I, I Completely messed up there. Um, Arkansas has been on a roll. They've already clinched the West, right?
2: I'm, I don't believe they've officially clinched it because Mississippi State's still up there. But they're, I think, maybe two oh, yeah. games ahead. Of Mississippi State. Yeah, so I was going to say. I think as long as they win one this weekend, I think they got it. I
0: think they're two and the tiebreaker. So I, I think you know they've clinched at least a share. Um, yeah, you know, they would have some,
2: to. Yeah, they would have to get swept, and the Mississippi State would have to sweep. So they yeah. basically got. It.
0: Yeah, um, and yeah, so uh, yeah, it's, uh, so you're going up against the number one team in the country. Van Horn over there always has a good team. Um, you know, you're you're hoping to win the series two out of three, but if you would have won the the Georgia game on Sunday. you you would have allowed yourself a little bit of hope if you took one out of three. Um, Now, if you lose, you know, two out of three against Arkansas, you're probably out of that eight seed. You know, now you could get it back by winning the SEC tournament or whatever it may be. But like you said, those are some of your your head scratchers. And, you know, I I always say this, and not just in college sports, but in, in the professional sports, when you have a chance to sweep, Take the bull by the horns and sweep. I mean, that is such a momentum booster to your team. If you can sweep a team in such a morale, you know, destroyer for the team who got swept. And so, um, you know, but I will say this. I think the the team overall is still heading in the right direction. Um, they went back to the rotation with Mace on Friday night. as kind of that that guy, that opening, you know, uh, the series to get, get the ball rolling. Um, and I like that. Uh, what did you think about the rest of the staff this past weekend?
2: I thought everybody was pretty good except for Franco Alemán. They just cannot seem to get him back going again. The one encouraging part I think was the way Hunter Barco's pitched the last few weeks. He's, I think, got like maybe a sub three ERA over his last four or five starts. So when you're looking towards the future of this rotation, he's going to be your Friday night starter next year. Things are starting to look very, they're starting to look up for what he's going to be and possibly being that top 10 draft pick everybody expected him to be. Right And the bullpen, I thought, I think Trey Vanderwide had a poor showing on Sunday, but Jack Lefwich continued to look good. Vanderwide, I think, came, came in and got a big out in the Friday game, I want to say. So it, it, was, it was kind of pretty much one of those weekends where it was just one pitcher really kind of blew it for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, and again, it's, you know, it's back against the wall on Sunday. You know, Georgia understands that they're they're on the bubble. They wanted it a little bit more, and you know, I think that this that is probably the one thing about this team that scares me uh, as far as Florida goes, and that is, you never know what what team from a mental standpoint is going to show up you know at at times this team looks like that team that knows they're good knows they're you know knows they're one of the best teams in the country and comes out and just says hey we're going to prove it to everybody and basically tells everyone to hush that they're that good and then there's the the team that comes out and who thinks they're good knows they're good and thinks they're going to get by with it without giving the energy And, and I think that that'll be the biggest test for this team going forward is just what kind of mentality they show up with week in and week out. Hopefully as the you know the season winds down and you know you're getting into the SEC tournament next week they understand that it's go time.
2: That's and that's been the biggest issue all year long is they just get too comfortable when things go well for them. And it just kind of blows your mind that you could let that kind of mentality sink in when you're playing Georgia. Like yes. I don't care if you won the first two games twenty to nothing. You should want you should want to go out there and do it again the third day and not give them anything. But they just seem to be satisfied with just doing what they need to do to get by. And until they lose, then they get kind of fired up for a few more games. They just have to have something bad happen to them in order to propel them forward. And unfortunately, when you get in the postseason, when you lose, you're done. Yeah. If you lose twice. So you don't have the opportunity to rebound like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. Uh I mean, so let's let's break that down for just a quick second here, and that is, uh, you know, in order, Florida sits a game back of Tennessee, a half a game back of Vandy for the Eastern Division title. Uh, Tennessee, you said, goes to South Carolina, or takes on South Carolina, um, and Vandy has Kentucky. Florida has to sweep and have Tennessee lose two games uh, in our – Yes, to lose two games for them to tie because Tennessee has a tiebreaker. And then, uh, you know, again, Vandy's going against a terrible Kentucky team. So, basically, Florida needs to sweep this weekend, and that's a tough task against the number one team in the country.
2: Yeah, it's – I mean, if they – the one scenario, I guess, where they could possibly get a split of the SEC East title, which even then Tennessee would get the higher seed because of the head-to-head. But if they win two out of three and then – Tennessee only wins one out of three. Vanderbilt, I think, somehow would have to lose two out of three to Kentucky in that scenario. They would finish in a tie with Tennessee. But it basically is going to take a sweep at the number one team in the country to get any sort of hardware from the regular season.
0: And what makes you frustrated about this whole thing? It's tough to sweep them. But this team's talented enough to sweep
2: them. 100% they're talented enough to sweep them. It's just... what team shows up? Yeah, and you, you keep going back and you think about all the games that they gave away where they had oh. that 14-inning game in South Carolina that they should have won if Ben Speck doesn't give up the O two 2 home run. Or the first two games of the Tennessee series where they had them beat and then gave it away in the middle innings. Yeah. Or left with throwing eight straight balls. And then the game through the Georgia series where they just don't show up. It's just if you win even one of those games, you're in a great position right now. But instead, it's going to take – a miracle to get any sort of trophy out of this.
0: Yeah. Uh, Bailey, let's talk uh, softball here for a second. And, uh, you know, they uh, it's Baylor, my Jags, um, and uh, Baylor this weekend uh, – or USF this weekend. No UCF. Uh, I think everyone is – praising the, the the good Lord that that's not happening for several reasons. UCF's very good, but it gets so tiring. I mean, next week or two weeks, Ethan, we're going to be talking about Florida State or Miami coming to the game. So I'm sure in baseball, it's just the way it's going to be. Uh, always is. If not, we'll be talking about how lucky that is. Just because you get tired of seeing it. Um, overall, I think this region is – Okay, I think it's kind of weak in, in some ways. South Alabama's a team has come on lately. Uh, Kaylee Kavistad's sister Camden is a is a very good hitter. Uh, but th- their pitching's weak. And, uh, you know, one through nine in the order is not very good. Uh, kind of a down year for, for South Alabama. They do have a freshman pitcher who's uh, pitched well, set the strikeout record for uh, um, strikeouts by a freshman in, uh, I think, Sunbelt history. Um, so they're, they're okay. Uh, USF, the team that's going to battle, though, a uh, good coach as well. I, I guess Florida just needs to take care of business, right? I mean, just come out and play their game and they should be okay, huh?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. You know, Florida already beat USF four times uh, this year. USF played one close game uh, in the last time they met, but I I think Friday is going to be a very winnable game. It's at 2 p.m. Um, and then, you know, you start moving on. You're looking toward Baylor. Um And they're, you know, they're... Hold on,
0: on. hold on. My Jacks could upset Baylor. Okay,
1: okay, but we're being realistic here. They could, but I'm planning for a Baylor matchup. Okay, I'm going
0: to laugh when my Jacks are playing playing the Gators.
1: I'll I'll take it back, but, you know, um, I don't know a ton about Baylor, to be honest, but I do know that they played several sec teams this season uh and lost all but to mississippi state i believe i believe they beat mississippi state um and you know they were they were swept by oklahoma and oklahoma state so you know if florida plays their game i think that this should be a winnable regional but like we said it's just got to be you know you come out and you just take care of business um but yeah you know i'm i'm excited about it i think like you said everybody is having a big sigh of relief that UCF is not coming to Gainesville because that would have been a nightmare, honestly, situation for Florida, even though it is tough to beat a really good team three, four times. So Florida was probably uh, on, on the cusp of that win there, but you know,
0: do for a win. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing too, is not to wear out Hightower. Uh, you know, get some get some length out of um, Chronister, Lugo, and um, and you know maybe maybe even the freshman Trilic, Um and, and try to what's that? Trilitech check, yes. Uh, get some, get some, you know, length out of them. And, you know, I mean, obviously you're going to throw Hightower in, in, in game one probably for a little bit um, and probably in the championship game. But, you know, try not to wear her out. Try not to have her, you know, pitch in every game like she did in the SEC tournament and get her ready because you're probably going to need her to pitch two out of three in the Supers, um, you know, against whoever it may be, whether that be Duke or, or Georgia or whoever it may be. You're going to probably need her to pitch two out of three there and then you're going to need her to pitch a lot in okc uh, so i think that's a big thing and then figuring out that two spot in the lineup i'm not sure that i like the the will like wilkie in that spot um but i don't know what
1: Cotter will be back for regionals so What's that, that- cotrell julia copper will be yeah. back for regionals. so wilkie was was in her spot there which she's not normally in the two spot yeah but you yeah, know that that was blowing my mind a little bit there. I think in that situation, you probably should have moved Lindsay back to the top of the order. Uh, but you know, I don't you know, know though
0: that I, I I don't I don't know that I don't say that that's not a good idea coming up. You know, I, I like Lindeman being in the three spot or, or Eccles being in the three spot and Lindeman being in the four spot and Cacho being five. Yeah. I, I like yeah. that leaping of the lineup. You know, if you got Adams on base as as she is. Quite a lot, and you're able to to bring Lindsay up with the opportunity to either you know have first and second, or at worst have a runner on second. If she does make a lot of contact there, um, I like that. I mean, you know, get some uh, get some runners on and, and runners in scoring position for Lindemann, for Eccles. You know, you're going to at least get a fly ball. So if you're able to get a runner on third there, that away, and and then you're not able to pitch around the uh, all three of those. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing Lindsay go back to that two spot and lengthen that lineup yeah. a little bit
1: honestly i i that's been my favorite lineup all season but they just don't seem to use it very much i'm not a big fan of the second lead off hitter as we refer to it in the nine spot just because you know Lindsay is a really good hitter and you're guaranteeing that she is losing at bats every single game and you know i just i just don't really i'm not a big fan of of
0: that strategy. Agreed. And, you know, the new strategy now is to to bat your your once three-hole or cleanup hitter two because they get even more bats. I don't like that. Um, my Atlanta Braves are liking to do that. Uh, the Angels are doing it with Mike Trout now. I don't like that um, at all. Um, but uh, I guess analytics say different there um, like you said real quick and, and then we'll move back to baseball just for a second and that is Duke is in a uncharacteristic spot doesn't happen very often it has happened before but they're going to be the number one seed in a tournament that's hosted by Duke uh, or by Georgia in the regional uh, because of Duke not being prepared for the COVID uh, protocols uh, there you know that's I get it, I get it, but the point of being the number one seed is getting rewarded. You know, okay, maybe they couldn't host there, but I don't, I just don't like it being at Georgia. I mean, Georgia as yeah. the two seed got, got, gets rewarded.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of it either. I think you definitely could have played it better there. But, you know, no one was really expecting Duke to end up in that, uh, you know, in one of those top seeds just because they kind of came on late. And I think they said they've won like 14 in a row or something mm-hmm. towards the end of the season. Yeah. So they're a really hot team right now. Um,
0: won the ACC tournament. And...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Beat Clemson in the, in the title game, which it's crazy. Both of those teams are brand new teams. Clemson didn't have a team till last year. Right. I think he's only a few years old. Right. So yeah, it's, it's a really great story for them. So yeah. We'll see what happens with that.
0: Um. Real quick, uh, Ethan, on uh, on baseball here. Um, you know, it, you're starting to kind of see the the overall NCAA picture. Um, you know, shape out. Do you think Florida? What do you need? What do you think Florida needs to do to to secure a top eight seed? Well, I think. I, I,
2: in the SEC Network broadcasts we can think they said that Sully told them that he thought they need 19 conference wins which is the magic number and right now they're at 17 so I mean series win at Arkansas and then just don't be one of the first teams eliminated in Hoover and depending on what other teams do around the country that could be enough to get you get you a spot I think it might come down to Florida Mississippi State for the fourth SEC spot because right now Florida Mississippi State have the same conference record but Mississippi State lost to Vanderbilt. Florida beat Vanderbilt. So maybe if they just stay even or ahead of Mississippi State, their resume and their win over that big common opponent could give them the advantage.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's huge. I mean, it's so big. I mean, it's so big to host and not to have to go on the road. And, and that, go ahead.
2: Florida-Mississippi State could be, it looks like, will be possibly a matchup in the SEC tournament because right now they're the four and the five. So. Yeah. That very well could be like kind of a play in game to a national seed.
0: Hey, there you go. You couldn't ask for nothing better there. It's such a, a huge uh, thing. So uh let's go to the other big news real quick, and that is uh on Monday, we're taping this on Tuesday, uh the the Gators announced that uh full capacity. Uh no more masks, uh starting uh June in, in, in middle of June, right? Uh, nope.
1: no masks starting immediately. Okay.
0: Full capacity uh, June starting.
1: So technically,
0: football season because nothing yeah. happens. Um you know, we talked about this a little b- before we came on the air here. Uh, I've been to several baseball games. Went to Atlanta for the Braves game when they were um, at uh, 25 or 50% capacity, excuse me. Um, and then I've went to a couple that's 100% capacity. And I love to see, you know, the environment. I I, I do. I, I joke that it was kind of nice uh, to have, you know, the half capacity just just for the legroom and the you know being able to. Uh, to not have to deal with people, as many people. Uh, but for the environment, it's great. You know, for college football, it's it's it's, it's so needed. To have the swamp packed at 90,000, 92,000, whatever it may be. Um, you know, to have Neyland Stadium and Bryant, Denny, all of them rocking. That's what college football is about. I, I'm glad to see it. I know there will be some people who want to say, well, it shouldn't, you know, COVID's not ready, whatever it may be. Me personally, I'm glad to see it. Yeah,
1: go ahead, Ethan.
2: Sorry, I'm I'm glad to see it too. I thought something that should have been known for a while now, and I just think it's it, it's gonna be a it's gonna feel a lot different when you hear the the swamp only Gators come out alive when they're taking the field for ninety thousand versus Alabama. That's just it's gonna feel even more special than it already was going to. That game is even though it's the third the second home game, it's gonna feel just a little more special.
0: And LSU, and our, LSU was already back to a hundred percent, right? They've
2: been a hundred percent for what about a month now. Yeah,
1: LSU
2: and the Tennessee schools are at hundred percent. The Mississippi schools are at hundred percent. Arkansas is at hundred percent. I think yeah. Texas A and um, I think yeah, Alabama was had one. Had of
1: those. time before Florida was going to do it. You, you've got to fall in line at some point. But yeah, I'm with you guys. I'm really excited about it. There's definitely going to be a little bit of controversy. Uh, You know, I honestly think it might take a little bit for some of these schools to totally fill the stadiums. Uh, It's going to be packed for Alabama no matter what. But, you know, people are still going to be taking some precautions, I think. So we might not see sellouts immediately, but we'll see. I think it's going to be interesting to see how hungry people are to get back to these games.
0: I will bet you this, Bailey, and I understand what you're saying, but I will bet you every game sells out this year unless they unless 40 is bad at the Sanford's end of the year. Uh, what's that?
1: You think Sanford's going to sell out?
0: Yes. As long as Ford is playing good ball, because I think people are so hungry to be back in stadiums that they're 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 itching to come. If they had a spring game tomorrow and they said 100 percent capacity, I think they would come close to to filling it. I, I just think. Go ahead, Ethan.
2: And the problem with that is, though, is that UF knows that people are hungry and so I'm sure the ticket prices will be exorbitantly higher. Yeah.
0: Well, they got to make up for last year. So, uh, I just think people are, I mean, you know, you, you've seen sports around the country, um, who are, who are a hundred percent, a lot of them that would never sell out are selling out just because I think people are so hungry to, to be able to get on campuses. I mean, in, in stadiums and, and just see live sports. I mean, they're, they're, you know, it's nice to have it on TV. I think we're all very, uh, happy and, you know, thankful that there was live sports that, you know, this past year that we were able to see, um, mostly on TV just because it helped pass the tie but I, I think everyone's so excited to get back on campuses and in stadiums that I, I really do I think you I don't think you'll have a problem selling out the swamp
1: hmm. well Dan Mullen will be happy then he won't have to make any fly comments after the game
0: a question for y'all I, and I haven't I haven't seen this so it might be out there has the World Series announced what the capacity is going to be for softball and baseball yet
1: I have not Seen
2: that. I haven't either. I think, I know the NCAA is limiting the regional super regionals to fifty percent, so I would assume it'd probably that's be the fine. same. Yeah.
0: Well, that's what I, I thought. The because I mean, obviously, it's the NCAA's call, not the uh, each uh, institution. So I, I figured it would be that. I was just wondering what it was going to be like. Still, still fifty percent in Omaha is going to be going to be nice, and fifty percent in. Uh, uh, OKC is going to be nice for softball. So you know, again, I I, I love it. I mean, I, I you know, I think college sports are all about the atmospheres. You know, you, you can't tell me that people did not miss seeing the the O'Connell Center and you know, Cameron crazies and all that stuff this year in basketball. That's just what that's what college sports are about.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely is. I mean, I I'm not saying that I think it's people are not going to be at these games, and I wasn't even saying at Florida. I was just saying at some places around the country, I think we might need a little more time. Um, But yeah, it it really is what college football especially is all about. It was hard to watch some of these games where there's just no fans in the stands. And it's like, what is even the point? (laughs) Like it, I mean, obviously, like you said, we're all very happy that we got football to watch, but it can totally change the outcome of a game, especially when you're in a place like the swamp. It, it's a big factor. They're you know, they're another piece of the game for a lot of these teams. So it'll be a lot of fun to watch.
0: Well, Vanderbilt was used to it and they still play terrible. <laughs>
2: They actually got a better home. Vanderbilt actually got a better home field advantage because they didn't have like fifteen thousand Gator fans in their stadium.
0: That that is true. That that is that is it's probably every probably for every team because I'm sure there's more fans for every team than there are on teams. So yeah, that's that's that. Again, it is you know obviously the uh, NCAA dead period is coming to an end in recruiting and um you know you're going to be able to host kids on campus here. uh, You know June the first. So what about? Two weeks now, so I mean that's that's big as well. I mean you're you're starting to see things kind of get back to normal, and I, you know again I don't know your your everyone's opinion on what it is. Me personally, I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm ready to get back and start see some camps. I'm I'm ready to start seeing some live game action where there's a lot of fans there. And, you know they, it was nothing going to the SEC championship game last year was awesome. I, I was I was glad to go, but the the and the atmosphere was good but it wasn't as good as it could have been. That was a fantastic football game between Florida and Alabama in the SEC championship game. And as loud as it was, it should have been even louder. And I, I'm excited for that.
1: Yeah. It, it honestly was sad to look back sometimes that, you know, the season Florida was putting together and fans weren't even really getting that opportunity to go enjoy it. Uh, yeah. so hopefully things will uh, go just as well this year. Um, but, you know, you mentioned the camps and everything. I think that's another good point is a lot of these kids missed out on opportunities last year because, you know, camps and things like that were shut down. And a lot of times that is the best chance for these kids to get noticed. So, you know, I, I think that will be another good thing that comes from this.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it. I mean, we'll, we'll see in the coming years. I, I am in the opinion that the 2021 class will be one of the most – will have one of the most transfer um, rate of any class out there I, I just do I mean you have a majority of these kids who never seen campus was never able to meet you know face to face with coaches um, until they got on campus and I do I think you will see a lot of transfers I think the transfer rate will be very high I could be wrong I I, I mean maybe that's where it goes I, um, but I do I think it will be now I I do think that there are some things, um, especially like the the Zoom calls and stuff like that, that I think that these schools in the NCAA will adopt, and you'll see more of it, you know, in the future. Um, you know, especially allowing kids to see the campus of what it has to offer, you know, as soon as they offer in you know February or March, you know, when they're not able to get on campus for visits. It will be interesting to see how they go forward with coaches. Do they allow the coaches as much time? Um, for on-campus visits as far as getting to high schools and that kind of stuff. I think personally that that'll be eliminated to some extent. I think it'll be, um, they'll allow them to visit campuses less often. Um, we'll see. I, it, it'll be interesting to see what part that they adopt from this past year because you're able to see what technology has, you know, really improved the recruiting game.
1: Right. Yeah, um, you're the recruiting guy, so I I have no idea what's going to happen with all that, but hey, uh, I guess we'll see.
0: Ethan, what's your thoughts? I know you got some thoughts on all this.
2: I mean, I I don't really know a whole lot about the recruiting rules either, but I think I mean you'll definitely see stuff that that implemented over the last year carry on. I mean, Dan Owens even said as much in his press conferences over the last year. I think you'll see a lot more virtual visit maybe and that kind of stuff's not going to go away. It'll just be kind of used as a supplement to the in-person stuff that they're able to do now.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, One thing real quick that we'll hit on before we get out of here is, you know, the Gators basketball team is still looking for two assistant coaches. Uh, Was a report out there that uh, Florida could be close to hiring uh, Virginia Tech assistant coach, Christian Webster. Um, You know, he's been at uh, Virginia Tech the last uh, six years. Uh, Used to play at Harvard. Um, No link, really, to uh, Mike White, uh, but he uh, he does know uh, Donnie Jones, who used to be at Florida with Billy Donovan. Uh, so that's kind of a little bit of a connection. I was talking to our man, Eric, uh, who does basketball, and he said, you know, Mike White's kind of looking for some of the better assistant coaches, not necessarily ties. Uh, I'll ask you guys this, and, you know, this is this is just my opinion, but hiring these assistant coaches may be what keeps or loses Mike White his job next year. It,
2: it yeah. feels like it feels like this is going to be the make-or-break moment of his career because, I mean, the fans have already, a lot of them, turned on him. The administration still holding on and saying all the right things for now, but if, you, if this isn't a SEC contender and a top four or five seed in the NCAA tournament next year, it's going to be very hard for Scott Strickland to not think long and hard about making a change. So these assistant coaches he's making, he's going to hire, are going to obviously play a huge role in how successful next year's team is. And he needs to, I think, do what he's trying to do, what it sounds like, and not go out and get the guys that he's worked with in the past or his friends, but just go out and get the best basketball coaches he can who aren't afraid to tell him that he's doing something wrong or make changes and kind of drastically change what they're doing in some areas. And that coupled with, because they have, I think, the right amount of talent to win. They just need to clean up some of the schematics and. Hopefully that's enough to make a huge change in the win-loss column.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how much, you know, make or break it is depending on who you hire. But I think Mike White has done a good job of uh, bringing assistants on in the past. Uh, So we'll see how this goes. You know, uh, Trey Mann, I remember he called Darius Nichols like the heart and soul of the team late in the season he you know everyone was very high on him so I think it will be important to get someone in there who can you know replace a guy like that and build those bonds with the team and you know be that guy that they need Um, because it honestly is a little bit of a flag raiser I think whenever someone calls an assistant coach rather than the head coach or you know another player the heart and soul of the entire
0: team yeah um, i mean you know obviously mike white doesn't seem like the energizer bunny you know or, or or that you know kind of guy that you know gets everybody fired up there and so you know you're okay with that in a way but you know you definitely got to replace that you know and the thing for me is i think mike white has to juggle a little bit because this team needs some fresh ideas on the court but you also need to continue to recruit well. And, you know, not just in the portal, but, you know, in, in high school recruiting as well. Now, again, Mike White's landed some big players they haven't exactly worked out. Um, so you've got to kind of figure out a, a way to have a little bit of both on, on your, on your staff. And uh, obviously Webster seems like a, a guy who's um, very widely regarded. I mean, uh, was, was on the, the ESPN's 40 under 40 list for the, the top assisted coaches in the, uh, in college basketball. Um, so, I mean, that was, that's big for, to know that, you know, that, and, and apparently he's had some guys or other schools call about him as well. So, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a balancing act of getting a really good on the, on the court coach, but also getting someone who could continue to recruit well.
1: Right. I think that's what you're looking for. No matter what sport you're talking here, you know, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, you, you you need someone who can kind of do it all when you're looking for assistance. So,
2: um, Ethan, you got any thoughts on this? I mean, yeah, he needs to find somebody that can keep the good parts of the program and fix the, parts that aren't working so well and if Webster's that guy then hopefully he's able to go out and get him he hasn't seemed to have much of a problem with recruiting or attracting assistant coaches in the past and it'll be interesting to see though if the assistant coaches going after do they view the kind of hot seat talk is that a negative do they want to go to a place where maybe they the whole staff gets fired after next year is that gonna negatively affect them
0: I think so. I mean, I don't think that it's, I don't think that you can ignore it. I mean, you know, you looked at, you know, Jeremy Pruitt, um, you looked at some other, you know, teams around uh, that were not able to land in in football coaches because of the hot seat talk. So yes, definitely there, Uh, you know, and I mean, there's no way to, to get around that. I mean, it just is what it is. I mean, obviously Mike White's not going to say, yeah, I'm on the hot seat. I'm getting fired if I don't win. Um, But you know, this, the, the word's around. You know, everyone knows that Mike White's in, you know, some, some little bit of trouble as far as needing to win next year. I mean, Scott Strickland came out and gave the vote of confidence that he's going to be the coach for a long time, but we all know what that means. Talk is
1: cheap. Yeah. I mean, you got to say what you got to say in those situations. Nobody's going to go out and say, yeah, we're, we're not sure if he's going to be around after next year. So, you know, I, I don't know how much affects it, honestly, you could be looking at it like, I want to be the coach that helps bring a program back to prominence. So, I mean, you, you never know what's going through these guys' heads.
0: If Steve Springer was AD, would Steve Springer come out and say, well, he better win next year. We better start winning.
1: <laughs> he might. He might.
0: <laughs> I think Steve Springer would be the guy who would say that. I think I he would say...
2: It's not your fault for losing, it's my fault for
0: hiring you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he would have something. I don't know that Steve Spurrier as AD would be the one coming out and saying, well, he's doing a good job losing. Yeah, that probably wouldn't go very well for him. He'd probably be the guy who came out and said, do or die next year. If not, it'll be on me for hiring you, like Ethan said. So, Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh,
1: I mean, I don't have a lot other than – you know, what we've already talked about, really excited for getting back in the stands next year, having everybody back uh, at games and excited to cover this regional this weekend.
0: Lacrosse moving on to the to the quarterfinals to play uh, Syracuse this weekend. Uh, men's tennis advanced as well. So um, two, uh, two other, um, you know, sports in the uh, spring sports moving on uh, in the NCAA tournament.
1: Exciting stuff.
0: Ethan, <laughs> any final thoughts before we get out of
2: here? Uh, no, I'm just excited for the baseball series. Should be a million runs scored this week between Fort Arkansas. Neither team has the greatest starting pitching. Just What's your prediction? You're pretty good with this. Uh, I think I think they're going to lose two out of three.
0: Oh, Lord. They, At they, they, E. Hughes 97 on Twitter. I mean,
2: the, the key for them, though, is they've got to find a way to – get the league head to the middle because once Kevin Copps for Arkansas comes to the game if it's tied or they have the lead you're basically done at that point
0: Florida's winning two out of three this weekend All right, Market
2: market it'll be national seed probably if that happens
0: mark it down two out of three this weekend and the Gators beat South Alabama for the championship of the Gainesville Regional mark it okay. down
2: which, me, game are they, which game are the Gators losing
0: Sunday Sunday yeah.
2: Of course, it was Saturday, but Thursday, Friday,
0: Saturday, but well, yeah, whatever. I, I I can't keep up with it all. They're losing the last game of the series on yep. Johnny Holstaff Day because that seems like what it's going to be. So, all right, guys, we appreciate it as always. We'll be back next week to talk about the Gators moving on in Super Regionals, uh, about baseball uh, moving uh, into the SEC tournament in Hoover. Always a fun event. And uh, hopefully the lacrosse team uh, moving on uh, against Syracuse, tough opponent uh, in lacrosse. So we'll be back. As always, check us out on the website. We'll have plenty of stuff coming up. Uh, Eric will be covering basketball, and uh, we'll be handling recruiting of and recruiting and football on June first. Will be out there as uh, Gator Recruiting Camp gets underway. So, as always, follows, and we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Bye,
1: guys.